Hey, Nate, what's going on today, brother? Oh, hello, sir. Welcome to Cloud City Casino. Uh, how can I help you? Oh, sir, that's, wow, that's way more professional than you usually talk to me. I mean, I guess I'm your boss and all, but um, yeah, it's you just, you know, what's what's the normal, what's going on today? You know, what do we have on the docket? Uh, I can describe today's specials and such for you, sir, but I think you may be mistaken. Uh, my boss is a Wookiee. What? No, I'm a human. I've always been a human. I don't know what you're talking about. No, no, it's definitely a Wookiee. Like, hair down to here, definitely, definitely a Wookiee. I, I had long hair, but I wasn't ever a Wookiee. You're saying that you're Michael... And you just cut your hair. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, tell you what, let me call Lawbot. Let, let's do some DNA tests real quick. Okay? Is, is, is that fine, sir? Oh, I guess if it's going to hurry this up. And, 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 and look, look, I, I appreciate the joke, but look, if my boss wasn't a Wookiee, why would we always say, let the Wookiee win? Gotcha. Okay, I don't know how to combat that. You, you've kind of got me there. Security! Enjoy your stay at the city casino. What have we here? I suggest a new strategy. You truly belong here with us, fucking club. Oh, welcome, scoundrels, back to another episode of Cloud City Casino. I wanted to try to hit up one before now, but, you know, it looks like we're just pretty much doing monthly now. Not that uh, the news hasn't been coming out fast and furious, so we probably got a crap ton to talk about. And I can't talk about it myself. Well, I guess I could, but, you know, it's probably a lot easier if I have someone who can keep me on track and keep things somewhat sane. And that's where you come in, Nathan P. Butler. Hey, everybody. Um, I think we should be proud that we're getting an episode out in about a month. Um I just did the announcement a while back that my Star Wars timeline goal is is ending, and a big part of that is lack of time with us having a baby on the way and everything. So I'm really looking at time in a different perspective now of where do you steal those moments. So we're stealing a little bit of time here for an episode. I think we're doing pretty good. Yeah. No, no, I'm not complaining at all. I was just saying, you know, we're always like, yeah, we're going to try to get one out before then. And then we're like, ah, it's been a month. It feels like it's been, (laughs) feels like it's been two weeks, but uh, it's been a month. It's do or do not. No, they're probably just going to (laughs) try. Right, right. Um, But now let's be honest. You, you said that the, one of the big reasons, and and it's one of the reasons why you uh, stopped doing the timeline. The other is just the, the uh, non-craps that uh, the story group seems to be giving? Uh, I mean, it's a combination of things. Like, I was <laughs> already kind of leaning in the direction of at some point it'll probably be wrapped up. Um, and, and the two things that were sort of leaning me in that direction were some of the stuff going on with the story group, you know, some of the stories that are just kind of meh. Um, a lot of the continuity things or chronological things that they're just not willing to pin down or... Uh, like with a couple of recent issues within the span of eight days, they had two comic issues released, both of which had continuity issues, one of which had like multiple retcons made to it that they're going to have to put into future printings. Um, but then also just the toxicity in fandom. You can't really talk a lot about – like I could bring up 
that exact thing. Here are these errors that have happened. Here's how they're addressing it. I wonder how this is going to affect chronology. And in in trying to have a conversation about the chronology and continuity aspects, about every other post is screw Disney, screw Marvel. See, it should have been the old way, and, and, and it just becomes sort of the 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 shouting match back and forth of the knee jerk kind of reactions. And that's just not fun to me. Right. So the toxicity in fandom and, what I was, and the, the, the issues I was seeing was already kind of leaning me in that direction. And I think that if I would have ended because of those things, I would have already always been kind of looking back at it and being sort of bothered by the fact that it would have ended for bad reasons. Um, but from a time standpoint, that thing is just a massive time sink every year. Um, big surprise, you know, it's over 3,000 pages at this point. Of course, it's been a massive time sink. Um, but knowing, you know, how my time is already kind of tight, I know that when, you know, the baby arrives, it's going to be even tighter. So I'd rather have it in kind of on the positive note of, you know, life is changing in a good way. Now's the time to move on from it. So the plan is to make the 2018 edition, which will either be like July or August, make that the last edition where it's getting any updates. I'll get as much on it as I can. And then that'll just kind of wrap it up. I mean, it's it would be about two months, three months shy of its 21st anniversary because I've been doing it for 20 years now. So, you know, at some point it was going to wrap up. So at least it's wrapping up for a positive reason. But, yeah, the some of the stuff that's been going on just kind of had me wanting to to pull my hair out. I did a an explanation video on YouTube that went into that in great detail and, and ranting style in some cases um, but I'm trying to focus on just the, hey, at least the fact that it's ending with a pre-planned ending means there will be an ending. It won't be like certain stories and TV series and whatnot where it's just kind of canceled and there never <laughs> is a real ending. So right. you know, could be worse. Well, that's totally different than what you said off air. You're saying something about SJWs and Kathleen Kennedy and... All that stuff. Oh. <laughs> I'm kidding. Stop I'm kidding. triggering me, bro, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, that, that's that's totally me. <laughs> Sorry, I, I had to had to have some fun there. Uh, um, that by that by the way was a, a single Jewish Wookies SJW. Right. Not exactly sure how that works. <laughs> One of my favorite um, things I, I, I used to love watching. I don't watch them as much now, uh, just because I don't watch as much YouTube now. But uh, it was Hey Ash, what you playing? I don't know if you ever. Heard oh that. yeah, yeah. Did you see the SJW episode? I don't think I did. This I haven't seen much of Hey Ash, what you playing for a long time since um, really since game trailers uh, sort of went under or or stopped being like the place for the various series. Okay. Well, what was great is that she um, she po- she post on. Um, on some YouTube video or something, you know, something along the lines of like, yeah, girls are cool and stuff. And then like, she gets all these replies like, ah, another SJW, blah, 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 blah. And she's like, SJW, SJ. She's like, suicide, Jew delivery, something. And like, and every time she would get the J, she'd say Jew. And then her brother's like, why do you keep saying Jew? (laughs) It was just like so. Bizarre. She's trying to figure out what it means, um, but uh, he explains it to her, and she's like, "Huh? People who uh, think women are cool and stuff. I'm a, I'm a women are cool. Or what was? Gosh, now I'm completely butchering the whole thing. But she's like, I'm a women are cool and stuff person. So it, I don't know. It was kind of fun, and uh, I think as um, 
toxic and uh, frustrating as that whole topic can be, especially when held online. I thought it was a very fun take on the, mm-hmm. the whole thing that uh, was very laughable. Yeah, yeah. Sat- political and social satire when done right, to me, is some of the funniest stuff out there because yeah. it's the stuff where you're just like, like, oh my gosh, that's going to anger so many people. But to some degree, it's so true. We are so ridiculous as a society at times, aren't we? Kind of stuff. Right. Um, but that's, that's you know, as, as a history, political science, economics teacher kind of guy, of course I'm going to find that kind of stuff funny. <laughs> right. So, The Last Jedi came out on home video. Yes. Yes, it did. And it came out um, a lot. Uh, me being the collector, I was running around all over the place picking them up. You had the regular version known as the multi-screen edition, which was Blu-ray and digital. Or you could order from Disney Movie Club, get a little tiny mini lithograph with it, and get a Blu-ray DVD digital multi-screen edition that looks the same from the outside except for just the DVD mentioned on the cover. Um, it was kind of what we would think of as a regular combo pack. There was a regular DVD version. There was a 4K Blu-ray and digital version of it out there. And then you had these uh, Blu-ray DVD digital combo packs at uh, Target, which also had an extra little DVD for a special little extra featurette with its own special packaging. No, I can that doesn't exist. (laughs) (laughs) Then Walmart with the other one. Um... Uh, but no special DVD or anything like that. And then Best Buy had a steelbook for it, but then also had a steelbook for the 4K Blu-ray digital version. And then you've got uh, lithographs from Disney Store, whose shipping methods are absolutely idiotic. I have yet (laughs) to run into anyone who did a pre-order online of the film from Disney Movie Store who got the big lithograph set, where the big lithograph set didn't come in basically beaten all the crap because they just stick them in these like two or three inch deep boxes with no packing material whatsoever and ship it out through UPS and they wind up arriving crushed. Um, And then of course there's all kinds of uh, foreign releases that are all starting to come out now, like the big sleeve edition in the UK and whatnot are all coming out. But I found that if you're looking for these, the Walmart one is a little tough to find. The target one is really difficult to find. It doesn't exist. And (laughs) (laughs) as far as the steel books go, uh, it's harder to find the Blu-ray one than the 4K one, at least uh, so it seems at this point in the U.S. But the Target one does exist. (laughs) Yeah, I actually do know that now since uh, you were awesome and and bailed me out and and actually found it and sent it to me. Otherwise, I would not own it. Yeah, I found it around here. So I live in the southwest Atlanta metro area, which is a very diverse area. You could go... 20 minutes one direction, and it's very high socioeconomic um, and majority white and Asian. Uh, You go in this other direction, um, lower socioeconomic, majority African-American, Hispanic. Go in this other direction by 20 minutes, and it's a mixture of those two where it's sort of middle class and a little bit of everybody, and you never quite know what the stores will have. But what you can do is you can sort of get a sense of what places will sell out of what kind of thing fastest – and I just happen to find that generally the target up by the airport, if it's a geeky sci-fi thing, will sell out slower than the one in the uh, highly affluent, everybody's driving their freaking golf carts to the store kind of area. So um, it turned out that once they had completely sold out at the target I usually go to, I was like, okay, well, you know, I got a few minutes and I just took a jump, you know, maybe 10 minutes in the other direction up by the airport um, popped into the Target, and sure enough, they had a whole line 
of the Target version still sitting there, and I was able to find one for for Michael. So uh, if you find yourself in a situation where something you're trying to get when it comes to Star Wars is sold out, a lot of times if you can sort of figure out the areas around you, especially if you're in a bigger metro area like we are, if you can find the places that are more or less likely to sell out just because of the demographics of the customers and what they actually want to buy, um, like in that case, that particular store is kind of on the edge between the majority um, lower socioeconomic area and that middle area where kind of everybody is about same level. Um, they just tend to sell out of the geek stuff slower, but they sell out of certain clothing lines way faster. So if you're looking for a geeky like Blu-ray or something, go up there. If you're looking for the clothing, go in this other direction and you'll be able to find it sitting on the shelf you know, more often. It's, it's just kind of one of those things that I've had to learn because the home video stuff is such a weird market and, and the exclusives tend to be all scattered around most of the time. Thanks to Walt Disney Home Video deciding that multiple stores are going to get exclusives every single stinking time this time <laughs> yeah yeah well either way i appreciate it um and it's yeah it's it's very nice it's especially i think it's like two dollars more than just the regular version i think it's really worth it just at the very least for the the nice packaging yeah i mean it's probably the nicest looking one um the only thing that i don't like is that there wasn't a 4K version. This time, the only store that actually in the U.S. got an exclusive 4K version was Best Buy with the Steelbook, and then they also had the regular Blu-ray version with the Steelbook. But everywhere else that had an exclusive, the exclusive was just Blu-ray, DVD, digital. If you wanted 4K, you had to go for just the regular packaging, which is fine. I mean, the regular packaging is okay. But if you wanted to get that extra Porgs feature it, or if you wanted the little booklet from Target or the changeable covers and whatnot from Walmart, you were kind of stuck if you were going 4K and would wind up buying multiple ones, as if I wasn't going to wind up getting copies of all of them. Anyway. <laughs> right. Aren't you like um, the home video guy? Yeah, yeah. And and I've got a photo box now. I bought a nice photo box from uh, Amazon that can fold. It's like a portable photo box. You fold it out. Nice um, – very clean-looking white background, built-in light that's a little diffuse, so it's not going to wind up Ooh. having a lot of glare. So I'm going to start taking pictures so that the next edition of A Saga on Home Video, here in probably 2020-ish or so, uh -huh. um, will be full color. Um, I kind of did a survey of the people that I knew who had read it, and their thing was basically, look, if somebody's going to be willing to buy a book on Star Wars Home Video stuff, they're interested enough that they'd be willing to pay an extra couple of bucks for color um, because that's kind of a niche little market anyway. It's like, well, okay, if you say so, I'll get a photo box. And so it goes. Nice. Yeah. Thank you to the Patreons, because that's where the money for the photo box came from, was those who've been supporting my stuff on Patreon. Uh, Patreon.com slash Nathan P. Butler, if you care to grab some exclusive stuff. Very cool. Yeah, I, I need to grab some of that. I've been looking at uh, photography and stuff here recently, because I, um, you know, I, I've been having more fun on Instagram. It seems to be a much more... Mm -hmm. uh, positive environment than Twitter. Not that Twitter's awful. My my Twitter's not that Twitter good. is a cesspool, but it's a cesspool. Well, but I'm I'm able to kind of you know push away some of the the chunkier bits uh, away from my little area in the the pool. So it's it's a lot better to hang out in um, than it could be, I suppose. But mm -hmm. anyhow, um, but the problem is. Uh, just trying to take good pictures and stuff. And that's why I've been wanting to invest in, you know, some of that junk and probably, you know, the, the biggest thing for taking better pictures for me would just be to clean my dang phone. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's probably a good idea. If you've got all that Wookiee hair all stuck in it, it's going to mess up your, uh, 
well, your, your and, lens, especially if it's between the lens and your case or something. Well, it's yeah. I mean, it's it's more the uh, the pollen and junk getting in it. Um, but yeah, uh, <laughs> Wookie hair, sure. Um, so yeah, I mean, it just it 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 gets kind of filthy, and I think it probably uh, smears the lens and stuff. And I just need to keep it clean for taking pictures, and then also you know get better. Mm. make sure I'm in, in better lighting spots. A lot of times I'll be like, Christine, I need to take a picture. And she's like, fine, I'll set it up for you. <laughs> <laughs> like, in the, uh, you. Regarding the, the, the lens and the pollen, in the words of the esteemed, what I guess now would be considered an ancient philosopher, uh, Ernest P. Worrell. <laughs> yes, that's right. We had an Ernest reference here, <laughs> which only dates us back to probably the 80s. So we're good. Yeah, I think maybe four people listening got that joke. Which Ernest is- goes to camp, baby. Ernest saves Christmas. Ernest was was it, I I forget what the guy's real name even was, but I don't get what Ernest, what is our stuff you're talking you open yeah, this talking. up by saying we have so much stuff to talk about and so far we haven't talked about any of it. I know that's except for a couple of your little first opening notes on the show notes. <laughs> uh well so here's something else that I've recently gotten into and I, I think this would actually be you know it's it's a bit of a side tangent, but I, I think that a lot of our listeners would be interested in it and I I would think it's something you would be interested in. Are you familiar with the Marvel Unlimited service? Familiar with it I actually had it for a while. Dude, it is awesome. (laughs) Yes, it is. You get unlimited access to this huge library of Marvel comics, and most of them are uh, within – the the newest ones are usually within a few issues of the current one. I used it actually to read pretty much the entire Ultimate Marvel Universe timeline uh, a few years back. So, yeah, I mean it's a a fantastic value if you're going to be reading a lot of – uh, back issue Marvel stuff as opposed to the stuff from ma- like the absolute most current issue. Heck yeah. So um, I'll, I'll tell you. So it um, it stays six months behind and comics that are six months old or older uh, are two dollars digitally. So the service, I, I did the math on it and doing it that way. If you read 35 issues in a year, you've paid for your service. Um, Nerd. Now, well, hey, uh, you know, I like to. I, I'm I'm always about. I, I spend a lot of money, but I always have to make sure I'm I'm getting a good deal when I'm spending that money. So, uh, what I ended up doing is is checking that out, and then looking at um the the higher end version, which is uh, it's actually a hundred dollars, so it's about thirty dollars more. But you get this sort of loot crate style box, and with that box, it comes with a few different things. I think it's three exclusive comics. You get like a patch and a pin, and then you get an action figure. Now, the best I can tell, I haven't gotten mine in yet because I actually did go with that one. The pin actually looks a lot nicer than, say, what you would get from the... uh, like the the smuggler's bounty, I, I felt like the pins on those were kind of meh, but but this one actually looks pretty cool. Um, but I don't know, I haven't gotten it in yet, but I'll I'll, I'll be able to report better on that once I do. The action figure, however, that's the main thing, especially if you're like, yeah, I don't really want that because I don't collect any of that stuff. Well, here's the thing: if you uh, wanted to, you could then turn around and sell that action figure on eBay. And I've seen them go upwards to like sixty bucks. So instead of you know buying the the basic one for like seventy dollars, 
it would then be like 40 bucks, and then that would uh, actually kind of decrease your price even further. So, you know, it's you'd have to go through eBay to try to do it that way, but if, if you got it and then sold your, you know, sold your little loot box stuff, you would then potentially actually make uh, enough money back to where it, it pays for a, a big chunk of your, your unlimited service. So that's really cool. Nice. But where does this, you know, fall in line with Star Wars is not only does it offer, you know, the latest Marvel Star Wars comics up to the last six months, they actually have, I don't know if it's all of, you would have to look at it and probably know much better than me, but it does seem to have uh, most of, if not all Mm -hmm. of, a lot of the Dark Horse stuff and the old Marvel comics as well. Yeah, I believe that what it is, it's all the ones that they have put out digitally and from what I found is that, you know, they're, they're reprinting a lot of Star Wars stuff from Dark Horse in these collections and labeling them as legends. And they've got the Marvel, you know, company logo and stuff on them now and that sort of thing because they've got the rights to publishing and all. Um, but there's a lot, including mine, actually, including Star Wars Tales 21, um, that haven't gotten a republish under Marvel uh, in some kind of collected form or anything, but which have been put back out digitally with the Marvel logo on it and whatnot. So as far as I know, if you can find those early ones on Comixology or the Marvel app, which is basically just Comixology specific to Marvel, um, you'll be able to find them on Marvel Unlimited also. And and kind of the same thing he was saying. What I found was that if I was going to buy, like when I was trying to read all the Marvel Ultimate stuff, if I was going to try to buy them from Comixology, even in bulk or even when they're on sale – the price was still going to be quite a bit more if I was going to do a lot of reading than just doing the Marvel Unlimited thing. Just bear in mind that the price will vary, I believe, uh, at least it did when I subscribed to it, um, based on whether you're going for like a year subscription at once or if you're trying to do it monthly. But that that happens with most subscription services. Right, right. And like I said, if, if you just do the the one if you're doing just the basic plan all at once, um, then it's going to cost you 70 bucks. But it's it is really worth it. I mean, if you're somebody who has been buying comics anyway, and and you're not a collector, you're just a reader, then this is, to me, it's a no-brainer. Now, I'm looking at our show notes here. Yes. And the very next thing you've got listed is Wookiee Weekend is in effect. Get yo solo S-word here. <laughs> um. I'm assuming this is like a Force Friday thing. I have never heard the phrase Wookiee Weekend referring to the product launch for Solo at all. So is this something that you came up with or is this something where we have another Force Friday type event and this one is getting even less publicity than the last one did? Yes, it is. um, It is definitely getting less publicity. But it's a real term. It's a term I've seen used a lot. I don't oh, know. Okay. Um, I don't know if this is a like a, a Lucasfilm sanctioned term for the weekend, but I've seen it enough that I would think it would probably be the case. I mean, it's I, I'm seeing. You know, I just typed in Wookiee Weekend, and I'm seeing Jedi News reporting on it, uh, ComicBook.com, uh, ExpressCo.uk. You know. Jedi Temple archives, all that stuff. Um, so it's, I mean, I would imagine that's what the the marketing is is going with for the the name. Well, okay then. So it is time to get yo solo stuff at this point. <laughs> um, 
unfortunately, what I found is that the things that I go for tend to be the you know the books, the comics, and whatnot. There really hasn't been a whole lot of that that's out just yet. Well, um, they're the, still coming soon. There's the um, solo book. Well, yeah, I mean, there's multiple solo books, but they haven't been. Re- they're not being released this weekend, um, as far as I know. I got a early copy of Last Shot that showed up in the mail, but I believe those are all aiming for this Tuesday or coming up. So, oh, possibly. Um, I was, th- I was thinking it won't, it, was, it won't be like. Weekend. Like the original Force Friday where they're sitting there on Target shelves or something. Well, what do I know? And, <laughs> and of course, the, the, the big frustration I had with the first Force Friday was that we had a new version of the X-Wing core set come out from Fantasy Flight Games that wasn't really announced anywhere and wasn't available in comic shops until after that Force Friday was over. Good thing but they never speaking, did that again. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> speaking of Destiny 2-player starter set, Um, speaking of... Fantasy Flight Games and New Games, though. Transition, transition. Uh-huh. Legion's out. Yeah. Legion is finally out. Um, and I know we're going to have an email later that deals with sort of some reactions to my thoughts on uh, some of the stuff we were talking about with Legion last episode. And my frustration over the fact that they marketed it really heavily with a lot of painted miniatures being shown and only in the instance of maybe two news bites uh, or two items on the Fantasy Flight Games website, did they ever actually say, oh, by the way, these are unpainted miniatures? There were some questions about scale we were talking about. So I now have all of the Legion stuff in my hands and can give sort of some general impressions on um, on the game now that it's in my hands and, and maybe sort of add to those thoughts. So number one, I would say, it feels like it's going to play significantly different to Imperial Assault, but in a good way. Um, the moving with uh, a unit cohesion, you know, you're moving, say, one member of a unit or the captain, the leader of a, of a unit, and the other ones move with it, but you're not measuring it for every single one as far as what direction they're moving in. They just have to be within a certain distance away from the leader of that unit and that sort of thing. Um, from a size standpoint, the ATST is freaking gigantic. It's uh, almost twice as tall as the ATST from Imperial Assault. So Imperial Assaults appear to be a little small because they look like they're like a one-man vehicle, whereas the ones that you have from Legion do appear to be about, you know, they could fit two or three people in the cockpit, kind of like we see in Return of the Jedi with Chewie and the the Ewoks and all. Uh, I would say that the assembly required thing was a pain in the butt for someone who has never had to do that for a game like this before. Um, even the regular stormtroopers come with their arms not attached. Right. It's basically like two arms holding a blaster, and you've got this weird U-shaped thing of the blaster and the two arms, and then the the armless body, and in some cases a headless body or whatever, and you're putting them all together. I'm assuming that's because you're meant to paint them, and that makes it easier to paint. So not really a concern there, other than the fact that it just took basically all afternoon to put all these things together. Um, I would say that... Um, I'm a little bit concerned if we want into instances where somebody in a tournament is going to insist that your model must be what you're playing with, per se. Because, for instance, there are certain weapons you can use on the ATRT or the ATST that if you're actually going to have them on your model, you're going to have to glue them in. And there are other ones you could swap them out with, but not once you've glued them in. So it's sort of a matter of making sure of, you know, are people going to be nitpicky on, okay, my ATST has this rocket launcher looking thing on its side. There's no way to just plug that in and take it off. You either glue it or you don't. So, unless you're using tape or something, I guess. So, nah, is there going to be a concern or is it just going to be about what cards are on the table? Right. Well, Hopefully, it's just the cards on the table. 
I would imagine that's the case. Now, granted, I, I know with stuff such as um, uh, Warhammer and all that, stuff has been super picky. Mm-hmm. I would hope at least that Fantasy Flight has, you know, they've always been really cool, so they're going to be a lot uh, more yeah. relaxed with stuff like that. But I can tell you that knowing from, um, from uh, you know, players in the past and stuff like that, it it wouldn't be that big of a deal to to do that stuff. Okay. I, I I guarantee I you, not. if that becomes the case, uh, even if not, you're probably going to end up seeing like YouTube tutorials of how to use like magnets and things like that, right. so that you can swap them out because cool. that's just the the people who play these games are pretty okay. smart, much smarter than myself. But yeah. that's not saying right. too much. The other two things I would say on this one, one is uh, be aware that the core set has had quite a few issues where people have been getting wrong parts. Uh, In my case, I got two wrong parts. Um, I had an instance where one of my speeder bike dudes um, had two left arms and no right arm, or vice versa, I forget. Uh, And I had a situation where I had, uh, of all the different stormtroopers, I had an extra one of the arms for one of the guys and no arms for this other guy. Um, they do have a pretty decent, uh, policy as far as, you know, you just go on their website, request the piece that's missing and they send it to you within a matter of days. Um, but one, there was enough of these that there were quite a few forum posts about it. So it seems to be a fairly widespread problem. And two, there apparently were enough of them that it crashed their request apart website for a day. (laughs) Um, so there seemed to be a lot. Um, I could see a game with this many small, tiny pieces running into that from time to time but it does seem to be way more widespread than i would have expected it to be yeah um and unusual but and i would also say that when it comes to we were talking about how to justify the cost last time and you know if they're not painted and they're basically the same size and made of a similar material to what we have with imperial assault then how do the legion items justify the price in some cases just the size and the detail like the 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 snow speeder or the atst or whatever right those are pretty pretty big examples um but i would say that one thing i noticed that seems to help justify the price is that you know an imperial assault if we get a unit of you know, X number of stormtroopers, all the stormtroopers are modeled the same way. And they all just deploy from the same card. But they all look exactly the same. They're completely interchangeable. Whereas in this case, you know, your stormtrooper unit of uh, X number of stormtroopers that come in that box, you've got a leader, you've got a couple of specialized ones, and then you've got all the other just regular stormtroopers. But every single one of them is a different mold than the others, a different pose than the others. So it's not just a repeat of the same ones over and over again. Each of these is a unique sculpt. Um, And even in the case of, like if I were to pick up a Stormtrooper unit as an expansion, that's actually going to be the same figures, the same miniatures as I got in the the Stormtrooper unit uh, that I have two copies of from the core set, right? Even though each one within the unit is a different sculpt. But if you say pick up the ATRT expansion, it actually and and the uh, the speeder bike expansion. They actually have at least one piece of different poses than the ones in the core set. So it's not like you're just rebuying something of the exact same model to get the extra stuff. In this case, 
they're varying the models as well. So from the standpoint of just a little bit more sculpting time, more molds, more production cost, I could see where some of that extra cost is coming from, um, which wasn't something that I necessarily noticed when looking at the earlier frequently asked questions. Um, but I'm looking forward to playing some Legion. It's I mean, it's not really designed for, you know, ongoing campaigns or anything like that. I mean, it's, it's primarily designed for get in and kick some butt. Um, I also do like the fact that the number of turns is limited and set from the outset. So these are going to be fairly fast games to play. And there is alternating back and forth, but it feels more like the alternating that we get out of X-Wing more so than the alternating style we get out of Imperial Assault. So it feels a little more dynamic based on how you've built your army. Um, so Legion has impressed me so far. I still wish it had been painted. I still wish we didn't have to assemble them. But that's because I'm just not a painter of these games. For those who are, that'll be a big positive. It just wasn't a big positive for me. Um, but so far, pretty solid stuff. Um, now I'm just hoping I can come up with a way to not suck at making, you know, obstacles and stuff for them to deal with out of broken models or something. <laughs> Now you had asked me about the um, uh, about the glue used. Did you end up going with what I told you about? I did. Uh, you suggested two of them. I forget which of the two that I picked up, but yeah, I picked up one uh, of the two that you had suggested to me. There was one that came with a very narrow little add-on nozzle. Mm -hmm. And I used the little narrow one so that I could minimize the amount of glue actually going into the joint so I didn't have a lot of glue um, uh, spilling out yeah, that's or anything like that. Um, and I didn't really have that many instances of needing to use a little exacto um, uh, knife to shave down any parts. Um, there were a couple of instances where a, a plug that was supposed to help hold a piece in was a little thicker because it didn't quite cut correctly. And in that case, I shaved it down. But uh, for all the suggestions people made of, well, you may have to shave down bits and pieces. Heck, they even say that in the, the guide to painting in the book, uh, the rule book or the uh, quick play guide, whatever you want to call it. Um, didn't really wind up having to do a whole lot of that. It was really just a matter of a lot of gluing, holding them together. Just understand that in some of these cases, it's a ridiculous process. Like the speeder bikes have a ton of teeny, teeny, tiny parts that probably could have just been part of the main bike mold that are separate, I guess, so that you could paint them separately. But you're going to have a ton of really, really tiny pieces that you're gluing together on some of these. Not all, but particularly the air speeder and the speeder bikes, the pieces in some cases are teeny tiny that you're going to be very, going to need to be very careful when you are gluing them together. Yeah. But they wind up looking great once it's done. That's why, I mean, a lot of times stuff with this, um, you know, a, a lot of people who play these types of games, I know, use uh, Helping Hands, if you're familiar with that. And um, Nope. Okay. Sounds like a charity. I'm assuming it's not. <laughs> it's not. It's a, little, uh, it's a little base that has these little alligator clips on a bar, um, and then it'll have a uh, magnifying glass attached to it. And a lot of times people who are doing this stuff, they'll do that. That way they can basically, they'll set, uh, if they have to glue two things, they'll take the two alligator clips and then clip the two parts, push them together so that it'll dry correctly. Um, and then they can also paint and, and get uh, the finer detail and stuff using the magnifying glass. So just another thing to look at for anybody who's interested in doing this. So from your perspective, like, have you had a chance to actually see this game played? Like, I've played around with it a little bit, but I haven't actually tried just running a simulation of the full game. Have you seen it in action yet? I haven't. I've, I, I've 
legitimately been meaning to um because i've I've been getting a little bit more time, but not quite enough here recently. And I've been wanting to try to make my way down to the game shop and, and see some of this stuff in action, but I just haven't done it yet. Um, but I, just because I'm seeing a lot of my friends on Facebook and stuff that have, uh, been really into it and excited about it and everything, I really want to, um, at least check it out. You know, I, if not completely buy all in. Cool. And speaking of games like these, we had had the whole issue of whether or not Legion was going to wind up essentially supplanting Imperial Assault, but it appears that they are continuing to push Imperial Assault because we've got some new Imperial Assault products that have been announced. They recently announced Tyrants of Lothal, which will be the next big boxed set, and of course, as you'd expect, that's going to mean you're going to have some of the characters that you might want to play as represented by tokens instead of miniatures, so that you can buy the ally and villain packs that have the minis for them with other game materials. And that wave of expansions includes Thrawn by himself, Honda Onaka, uh, the Rebels era Honda Onaka by himself. But then you have the pack of Ezra with Kanan and Sabine with Zeb. So we're getting quite a bit of Rebels material uh, for this new box set and the little villain and ally packs that connect with it. Yeah, and that's the thing is that I I don't even know what he does yet. Haven't looked at it, but don't really care. I can play as Hondo. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. Now, speaking of which, by the way, I don't know that I've ever mentioned this on the show, but if you go back and you look at some of the celebration coverage, and I believe, oh, where was it? There was another, uh, I want to say it was the, the final Rebels Recon where they were showing bits about Rebels from Celebration. You can actually see Michael and his wife in costume as Hondo and Aura Singh in some of the footage when they do um, shots of the audience, which I thought was pretty cool. I was like, man, he's he's kind of famous if anybody <laughs> knew what's inside the mask. <laughs> right. Yeah. But yes, that is him as Hondo if you, if you haven't actually seen him in costume that way. Yeah, and that's, I actually need to get, uh, and I mean, if you, pause it you can look at it and see where um i was able to get things just good enough for the convention but not quite um you know screen accurate so that is one thing that i have on the list to to get finished up and i was actually hoping to get done before uh atlanta comic-con because jim cummings is coming to that um so that oh nice yeah here kind of early in may so I'm, i'm hoping to do that um and then you know maybe even troop it with a 501st and uh to go down and, and see him so i think that would be really cool very nice although i think screen accurate means it has to be animated so i'm not sure how that's going to work out for you but uh good luck good luck with that <laughs> yeah that's right i turned myself into a cartoon it was really screen hard, accurate but... you're gonna have to betray everyone <laughs> right. for your own good um and now i'm seeing and again in our show notes see we have show notes, but the show notes are in, like, Google Docs, and I don't usually touch them, but while we're doing the show and recording, Michael's just plugging away and changing the notes on us as we go. What? I haven't touched it. And I'm seeing here, I, I almost thought you meant the video game, um, but oh, uh, oh, we, yeah, have, yeah. we have the item listed on the show notes, Destiny finally got me damn it target so i'm assuming that uh <laughs> you have now picked up the uh the two-player starter game for uh star wars destiny from fantasy flight the card and dice game which is actually the one that came out on the last big sort of force friday ish 
Dega, is that what you picked up? I did. I got two of them because they were like $9 or less. Wait, wait, wait. Time out. You got two starter games. Yeah. You realize that originally they started out by having a starter deck or a starter set where you had to have two of them to have enough to play. This box was specifically so you wouldn't have to buy two of them. And you bought two of them? Yeah, because there's um, okay. some extras that like you can actually play your characters um, in Elite. You can play the Elite versions mm-hmm. of them with the extra die. So I just like, right. hey, it's only $9. Why not? <laughs> Okay, just making sure. Um, so now, does this mean that you are going to be falling down the rabbit hole of buying the booster pack type things or not? Or is this something where you're like me, where you just want to be able to play it, so now that you've got enough for two people to play, that's it? Are, are you falling down the rabbit hole, or did you like grab the edge and save yourself just in time? Uh, TBD. <laughs> we'll see. I The little creatures from Clone Wars? Well, I don't know what that means. They... They had care. They had creatures in Clone Wars called Tibbities because it was a oh. joke based on the fact that in the script they kept being called TBD to be determined. So they just called them Tibbities. That's actually fantastic. I was not aware of that. I, I like that. That's that's the very. The more you <laughs> know, bling. That's see. That's one of those things where I think it probably bothers a lot of people. But I actually, I'm like, oh, it's kind of cute and clever, and it's really no worse than anything else, uh, any other Star Wars names. So you know, just. True, and, and, and although terminology-wise, I can't wait for Last Shot to actually be out there, and oh. like because uh, because we did learn that that uh, Han has come up with a new verb for when you're being a pretentious leader called Mon Mothmaing, which I thought was pretty sweet. <laughs> it's, wow. it's a one-word term, Mon Mothmaing. Wow. You okay. Here. That's it's not... in one of the first chapters of the book. Dang. Okay. <laughs> That's interesting there's some there's been some really interesting uh interpretations of, of mon mothma that if i, I gotta say I, I don't want to um don't don't take this as a bash but they've been a bit inconsistent uh throughout the the different stories just depending on who who mm-hmm. wrote what story so i'm i'm kind of interested in what the background is like why do some people seem to love mon mothma and others seem to hate her she's a politician isn't that kind of a given i mean I suppose. Polarizing? But, I mean, my thing is, like, I would think that because we don't have anything on her, like, set in stone, really, or at least we didn't at the point that those people would have written anything, you know, that you're like, oh, I see her as this, um, you know, the saint-like figure who, you know, they're for the right, so all of the... All of the... Not, like, the the right party, but as in, like, good and stuff. But, um... Uh, you know, basically meaning um, that people would be like, oh, she's she stands for all that, um, you know, we want to see and, and, you know, the change that we would like. So people, no matter what your political beliefs were, you would just sort of, um, you know, impose them onto her. But apparently that's not the case. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, to it's, be, it's fair, to be to fair, at least in this case, uh, Han had just gotten two year old Ben to sleep and she called and woke him up. So, I mean, that's that's. Part of the thing. I think Last Shot is going to turn out to be one of my favorite modern Star Wars novels. It's just that they nail the the feel of Han and Lando really, really well. To the point where there are some references where I would say that this is probably the most adult language we've gotten in a Star Wars novel that wasn't a young adult book. Yeah, I know. That's so funny, right? Um, so. I'm I'm a bit... I'm hoping maybe there's some way that it's explained, but I can't see any way that it's actually explained that I, I would like it. Um, I'm not on board with the uh, Ewok Slicer. That bothers me. 
Ooh, an Ewok slicer. It kills them quick, right? No, no. It's a, an Ewok who's like a computer hacker. Oh, yeah. The one that the one that idolizes Chewbacca. I actually think I'm going to meet him in the next chapter. I'm only about five chapters or something into it, but it'll, it'll be interesting. Um, but speaking of Ewoks. Yeah. Would you believe we got some new news about Ewoks, among many other things? So I guess that uh, turns us to... One of our bigger segments for the episode, aside from emails, which is all the stuff going on with Battlefront 2 at this point. Um, I want to say that last time we recorded, it was right before they implemented sort of the first phase of the new progression system and whatnot that they were putting in. Um, And I got to say, it's kind of an interesting way they did it. So crafting parts are basically gone in, in terms of actually using them right now. Uh, later this month, they will be putting out, actually in a few days, they'll be putting out an update that lets you turn crafting parts into skill points, which is something, and skill points are something new with this progression system. Um, the way that it's working now is instead of having like your card rating for each character and your ranking for your entire account, et cetera, et cetera, uh, and having to unlock them, but being able to unlock the cards in whatever order you want, but increasing amounts of cost when you unlock uh, the different rarities on up and so on and so on. They've really sort of made it a lot more streamlined. So now the more you play with an individual class of character or hero or ship or whatever, the more XP you essentially gain for it. As you gain the XP, it unlocks more and more star cards for you to be able to purchase. And every time you level up, you get a skill point. Or you can turn your old crafting parts into skill points as part of this conversion coming up. And a skill point lets you purchase a new star card or upgrade an old star card to the next level of effectiveness and rarity. So it's kind of a it's got its it's got its good points, it's got its bad points. It's no longer going to cost you more to upgrade something from say common to uncommon or sorry, from a uh, rare to epic than it would from common to uncommon. Now it's going to cost the same. Um, so upgrading those higher end cards can happen presumably a little bit quicker. And it is focusing on trying to get you to play as whatever it is that you're going to build up. Uh, And it is very linear now, so it's easier to understand. But by being linear, there may be some star cards that you want that are way down the line in terms of how many times you're going to have to level up to come to even unlock it to be able to purchase, let alone to actually purchase the thing. Um, The fact that you have to play as that type to be able to level it up means that uh, ships and heroes, uh, particularly hero ships and heroes, are really slow to level up, even though they don't have as high level up requirements as, say, troopers do. Um, But also, you used to be able, for instance, if I was playing, say, if I wanted to play as Darth Maul in Heroes vs. Villains, but I hadn't gotten anything really for Maul, what I could do is I could play other modes with other characters or troopers or whatever, and then spend my credits on hero crates, or spend my uh, uh, crafting parts on star cards to get star cards from all so that by the time I actually tried to play as him, I had enough stuff that I wouldn't just get pasted as soon as I tried to play as Maul. I'd already have some stuff. You can't do that anymore. You have to work your way up through playing as that character, that ship type, etc., etc. The loot crates are completely gone right now. The daily supply crates now give you 500 credits each time, and that is it. Um, right now, credits really can't be spent on anything. 
But then later this month, they're pushing the next chunk of things, which is going to bring in uh, crystals again. The crystals will let you buy uh, cosmetic items. You can also buy cosmetic items with credits that you have earned in-game, but they are all cosmetic only. Um, and we've got a list of some cosmetic things that they're already doing. So we've actually already got three new costumes. Uh, these were Hoth costumes. Basically, you had these challenges where um, you do the three parts of the challenge and you either got Luke, Leia, or Han, depending on what the challenge was, uh, in their Hoth appearance. And then we also had one quick challenge that gave you a Rodian Rebel. Um, those are the four that I've seen so far, but I haven't been playing all that much, really, to be honest with you at this point. Um, but of the ones that we're going to be able to pick up uh, through the crystals or credits, buying appearances or buying crates for appearances, I guess it is, um, we have a wounded Chewbacca with an arm patch, scarred Kylo Ren with a patch over his scar, Administrator Lando for Bespin, uh, Commander Iden Versio, which is going to be a no-helmet version, which I've been thinking we should have had for a while. Mm -hmm. A hooded Yoda with his hood pulled up. Uh, indoor Leia, Indoor Han, that is indoor as in forest mood of indoor, <laughs> not just inside. <laughs> you have um, to take your hat off. And then uh, an Atch 2 version, or basically a Last Jedi version, I guess, of Rey. Um, and then the troopers are going to get all kinds of new uh, appearances. There are 40 new trooper appearances at this point um, that you'll be able to get, uh, including some of the ones kind of like what we got back with changing heads back in the original Battlefront where characters, particularly rebels, will be able to be of different species instead of it being essentially an all-human type of thing. And this is all prior to Season 2, which won't be starting until May, and they haven't really released much information about that. So we had the first progression system overhaul. That's the whole star card overhaul and sort of stopping the use of a lot of the currencies. Now, within the next few days, we get the next push of that with the new currencies in play, the appearances, microtransactions, and stuff like that in play without affecting gameplay, uh, and a few new appearances and whatnot appearing with that. And then, give it about a month, and in May, we push out, or they push out, uh, and we start playing Season 2, which introduces more new stuff. But along with all of this, with this update that's coming, we have another of these things like the jetpack mode that they put out recently, which is one of these uh, limited-time new modes of gameplay um, that sort of change things up for you. And this one is freaking weird. Um, <laughs> interesting, right. but weird. It's called Ewok Hunt. And you're basically playing as either an Imperial or an Ewok. Now, I, I'm not sure if you're aware, this is not new. This was actually on the first Battlefront 2. It was actually one of my favorite... Uh, it was Droid Hunt, but not Ewok Hunt. Oh, there was definitely uh, an Ewok Hunt back on the... Uh, like I said, I'm talking the one back... Oh, you're talking, oh okay, you're talking way back when. I thought you were talking yeah. about the, the recent uh, EA one. That's so. So they're taking some ideas from earlier. That is good. And I love the fact that... Uh, it says, Ewoks attack the unsuspecting stormtroopers using spears, blank, and whatever abilities they can muster to take down intruders. Now, the blank is Wisties. That's right, the little glowing firefly, little Tinkerbell-looking things that we had back in the Ewok telemovies and the cartoon, they are going to be part of your attack <laughs> repertoire for this battle. So this is just... It's like the month of the Ewok, I guess, because we've got the one in last shot as a slicer, and now we've got this mode coming to Battlefront. Um, but 
it's another one of these where it's a limited time thing. So it's not going to be something you're able to play at any time that you want. Um, uh, but you are going to be able for this limited time to play it. And if it's anything like the jetpack mode, what they'll do is just every few weeks they tend to give one of those modes back temporarily. But the jetpack mode is an interesting one where it's sort of a capture the item and take it to the point and score points. But you only play as jetpack troopers with two different variants on what the jetpack trooper can do. So you weren't able to play as other characters or heroes to pull that type of thing off. Um, but another of these free updates, um, as they promised early on, and the overhaul to the economy and the microtransactions as they're finally coming back, um, that they also promised when they pulled them out of the game. Um, so what do you think? I mean, to me, this all seems you know, solid enough. I'm not sure how much it's going to pull me into play more because I've already kind of, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of bored with the game at this point. Mm-hmm. Um but I'll probably jump in, maybe do some live streams and whatnot, get a few things, um, well, like and some, wait for season two. I, I mean, I like the Ewok stuff. I know there's probably going to be plenty of people who are like, oh, my God, this we should completely eradicate the, the Ewok movies from existence. And, I mean, in a way, well, they're, they're right. They're not anyway, so right. at least as far as we know. But I think, you know, just for something that's a, like a little limited time um, – game mode i think it's kind of funny and you know sounds like it's gonna be fun i i like i said i played that uh quite a bit on the old version uh of of battlefront back for the you know ps2 and xbox and uh, funny thing is because you would think oh my god you're such a monster you like killing ewoks if i remember correctly i actually played as the ewok now that may not have been the case you may have only been able to play as the the stormtroopers but i was thinking actually played as the ewoks because it was easier (laughs) like it seemed like i did better as an ewok than a a stormtrooper but that has been over 10 years ago i think at this point so i may be remembering that incorrectly I'm just hoping that, I mean, if they really are going to draw from the Ewok films, I mean, I want to be able to play as, I mean, I want to be able to play as Noah and and kill your enemies with diabetes. Um, or be able to play as, you know, Sindel and kill them with cuteness or something. Or have some type of mode where um, at the beginning of a match, um, you press the right button and it kills all the members of the hero's family except for one or something. <laughs> you know, really get the feel from the Ewok telemovies if we're going to do that. Uh, or let us play as these Sanyasin Marauders or the Night Sister Charl, um, which are a little bit more serious suggestions than obviously otherwise. Um, so you want to, or, or, or get us to play, let us play as a pilot, a pilot Ewok, or have the little audio in there where if somebody in the match spawns as a starfighter and smashes into the ground and dies, we need the audio from Ewok's Caravan of Courage with Star Cruiser Crash, Star Cruiser Crash. <laughs> Please, if you're gonna ham it up a little bit with the Ewok telemovies, go all out and really ham it up. <laughs> um, little. Uh confession i've actually never completely watched the uh the uh the ewok films like i know a lot of what happens just through um you know what parts i have seen and you know stuff i've heard and everything over the years and all but i actually as a kid i was always like sweet ewoks return the jedi oh this is the ewok movie all right i'm gonna uh, this ain't star wars i'm going outside yeah they are they're not Terrific. I tend to prefer Battle for Indoor over Caravan of Courage myself, but oh. both of them uh, seem like directed by Steven Spielberg or something compared to the Ewok cartoon, particularly the second season of the Ewok cartoon. See, no, I like if the anyone cartoon. ever holds you at gun, you ooh, 
Did you see the second season of the cartoon where they changed most of the characters' personalities and Wicket became a little douchebag? <laughs> uh, I, I I would say I probably did, but I can't remember. Like, I, you know, yeah. I wouldn't know yeah. what Thank- was season one and season two, but I, I'm betting that I did. Okay. Well, thankfully, in the, well, thankfully or not thankfully, I'm one of those guys that just we really want to have a full se- series set of Ewoks at some point in the U.S. on home video because they never have done it. And, you know, the U.K. came close, but they were still missing one episode from each season. Um, but, yeah, second season was gone awful. And thankfully, the only releases we've ever seen of official home video releases for Ewoks in the U.S. have all been from season one. Season two was awful, although season two is the only one that has an episode that actually brings the Empire in and feels like it's actually, you know, um, what's that thing? Oh, yeah, Star Wars. <laughs> right, right. All right, um, so I, I don't think we can do an episode of Cloud City Casino without talking about microtransactions. They're back! Yeah, but they're back in a way that honestly... They're fairly innocuous when it no, comes Nate, to this. No, we have to go to the EA forums and we have to rebel. No, no, I think that um, I, I, I think that as adults we get to choose what we spend our energy on. Nope, and, nope. This I don't is think the internet. I give a crap this time. <laughs> but yeah, I mean that is sort of the thing. The the idea that microtransactions are coming back has still angered a lot of people. When the microtransactions this time are literally cosmetic only. I mean, it's not even like it's cosmetic and boosts or it's cosmetic. No, no, no. It is cosmetic, period. Um, It's the equivalent of buying new skins for characters. Like back when you used to play uh, uh, The Force Unleashed where you could get the different skins where you could like have Akbar running around with two lightsabers or something. Um, It's not going to affect the gameplay, and it is something you can still do using credits that you earn in-game rather than crystals. Now, we haven't seen the prices yet, and maybe that's where the issue is going to be looking at the price of the crystals versus before. I still have a photo on my phone of a screenshot that I took of what the old prices for crystals used to be, waiting for this to come back to see if the crystal prices will be the oh, same. That's smart. Um, it's very prepared. And, 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 no, it's more like just I never clean out my pictures. Oh, um, okay. <laughs> but then we also have the issue of, okay, well, if so are the crystals going to cost the same amount in terms of real money as they used to? But also, how is the price going to compare between buying something with credits versus buying something with crystals? Um, because the credits, you're getting 500 every day that you just log in just for logging in. Or I guess I should say logging in, going to a mode and either finishing it or just going to a mode and hitting quit. Because for some freaking reason, the crate disappears when you go try to collect it upon seeing the notification that you've got one if you haven't gone into a mode yet that bug is still there if it's a bug and not a feature maybe they just want to make sure you're not just (laughs) logging in getting stuff and leaving like i would tend to do because again i don't care that much anymore um but i think that's going to probably be the thing like if it turns out that you know every crate to be able to get appearances is tens of thousands of credits so even if you're going in and playing, it's going to take you a long while to be able to get to any of them. Okay, maybe. And they they didn't seem like they were clarifying, but I know that originally when they were talking about it, it was going to be appearance crates. So how are they going to be divided? Is it just a, an appearance crate? Is it here's a hero appearance crate versus a trooper appearance crate and so on? Are we possibly going to have appearances we can apply to our ships? 
Um, so the specifics of it are still kind of up in the air, but the fact is it's not game affecting. It's cosmetic. It's, it's basically character skins at this point. And the only point of contention on there being microtransactions with this new thing coming in seems to be the idea of you sinned so badly before that we will never forgive you and how dare you even speak the word microtransaction again. Um, it's less about being angry about what these microtransactions are and more just you know, the, the, the implicit idea of they did wrong before and now they are bringing back something that they didn't handle well the first time. Who cares if they handle it well this time? They're still wrong. And I think that's probably not a very intellectually honest way to approach evaluating the new microtransactions. In effect, the progression system and the microtransactions make pretty much all the behind-the-scenes stuff of the game outside of actually jumping into the gameplay itself almost like you're playing a completely different game now. Right. That's I don't I don't have a whole lot more to say on it. I mean, you pretty much covered everything. <laughs> are you? I guess I would ask you: Are you planning on spending uh, any real money on crystals no. to get any appearances? Like, not even to get. What if they said, "Okay, Bespin Administrator Lando skin," and you don't even have to do it randomly? You can just get it specifically. You still not spending any real cash? Nah, nah. I just I mean. Oh. Woo, all right then. Well, I mean, it's it's not like I can't play Lando any other way. So that's, that's and, and true. plus at this time, you know, at, at this point in the game, there's also the whole situation of it's been, um, you know, it, it's been out long enough that I don't feel like it. There's as much value in it, if that makes sense. Right. So then, so that being said, then is this too little, too late? Like the fact that they're bringing them back. Are they, and I think we talked about this last time, but are they bringing it back just because they said they would bring it back? Or are they bringing it back because there's actually a hope of making some decent uh, money to continue funding the game out of it, given the backlash, and given how long it's been since the game came out? I mean, is the audience there really, aside from the whales, so to speak, the big spenders, to even sell the crystals to get the appearances anyway? Like, is this too little too late? Or do they have some actual it doesn't make business sense for them to do this in the first place i don't think it does personally i mean i i could be wrong but i don't think it does because i think a most of the people who would have spent money are you know i i don't think they're going to spend that money now i think they've either a moved on to different things or b they've mostly unlocked everything anyway by this point you know like i i think that there's just not any real um, you know, there's no investment for them or whatever to, to do that. There, um, but I, I could be wrong, I suppose. But I, I mean, my feeling is that at this point, you're probably not going to make um, too much money. And is that money worth the, um, you know, the, the potential floodgates that you're opening to get ripped apart again? And are we going to see a pink Vader? They did say <laughs> that we couldn't have a pink Vader because right. it would be breaking the Star Wars experience, et cetera, et cetera. So I don't know. I mean, I think uh, I'll reserve judgment. I just I don't feel like this is. It seems like they're doing it because they said they were going to doing it to do it. But at this point, 
not sure if the interest is there. It's a funny thing about Battlefront with the DLC all being free that it seems like the free seasons of DLC don't get the hype that the paid DLC was getting. And granted, it's because they're not going to make new money off of it because yeah, it so is free DLC. Right, but it's interesting because even within the fan community and the player community, the hype really isn't there as much. So it's not... It, it we, we were initially... The, there, the thought process was, well, if everybody gets the DLC free, it's not going to wind up costing cash, which means it doesn't split the player base and it can add to the longevity of the game. And the flip side here is, yeah, but if no one cares then that's not really going to add longevity to the game. I just wonder how much extra playtime the game's going to wind up getting, even once we get, like, not just with this, but even once we get Season 2. And how many seasons really are they planning at this point? At what point does it fizzle out and become just way too ineffective cost-wise to keep producing new content with only the microtransactions um, to fund it? Well, I think that at, depends at some on point the, it's got to die. Yeah, I mean, I think that mostly depends on the success of the microtransactions. That's so, true. And speaking of, by the that. way, mm-hmm. um, speaking of the longevity of games and post-game support, uh, something that's kind of been on my mind recently. On a tangent here, if you have not read Jason Schreier's book *Blood, Sweat, and Pixels*, he's a, a writer for Kotaku uh, who recently, well, fairly recently, put out that book. Um, I found it a fascinating look into the the making of various games and the different uh, processes they go through. And interestingly, the last chapter before the epilogue is about Star Wars 1313. Oh, oh, that would be good. So for those who are interested in that sort of thing, that is something I wanted to mention as appropriate to a gaming-based yes, uh, podcast. Absolutely. It was just sitting down here on the floor, and I was like, oh, yeah, I should mention. Mm-hmm. Um, I read that thing fairly quickly. It covers, for those who are curious... Uh, it covers the making of, let's see, let me look at our chapter listing. And the idea is to look for commonalities and different themes in the way that games are made. And is there a way to do it without some of the hardships that come into it, like crunch time and whatnot? Um, but you have uh, behind-the-scenes stories for Pillars of Eternity, Uncharted 4, Stardew Valley, Diablo 3, Halo Wars, Dragon Age Inquisition, Shovel Knight, Destiny, The Witcher 3, and Star Wars 1313. And some of them because of the relationships between the games and the game's teams to other games, do have some crossover ideas where one is sort of affecting another. It's it's a fascinating read if you're interested in the actual making of process of the games as opposed to sort of the dynamics of the uh, the, the sort of company versus company stuff, which is more of like the console wars, Nintendo versus Sega book that came out a few years back. Yeah. Yup. That's this message brought to you by Nathan trying to justify having just bought a book on video games and read it. Wait, what? <laughs> so, last thing, I believe, at least as far as I know, this is our last thing, right? The emails? Yeah, as far as I know. Okay, so we bust out the mailbag, and Yay. we've got two. We've got uh, one I actually haven't seen, but it's from a guy that uh, I've had a chance to interact with quite a bit on the Patreon-exclusive Q&As that I do each month. He's, uh, he's in one of the Patreon supporters, but also one... Um, that showed up a couple of places that uh, is basically telling me why I'm wrong about Legion based on last episode, which, granted, I'll admit, I was, you know, because I was coming from a new perspective, I'm sure I got plenty wrong about Legion last episode. Um, so, our, w- do you want to start with the one that I haven't checked out, or you want to start with the one where I know that I'm wrong? <laughs> Whichever, I don't care. <laughs> Let's start with the one where I know that I'm wrong. All right. Um, so this one comes in from David, and David says, 
Okay, Nate, you asked for comments on Legion, so here you go. First, the frequently asked questions when they announced the game stated the models were unpainted. Yes, all the photos were painted, but I think it's like you said, they're going for the wargaming player base that knows that the models are unpainted. Second, as for price, this is way less expensive than other wargaming miniatures. I played 40k, that is Warhammer 40k, for 10 years, and I can tell you that if Games Workshop or GW put out a model the size of the ATST, it would go for $80 to $90 easy. I'm gonna have to look up what the actual price is for that one uh, to make the comparison. I forget off the top of my Isn't head. Isn't it 50? I'm pretty sure it's 50. I'd have to look. It maybe. Yeah. Uh, I think where the disconnect comes is that Fantasy Flight Games is really targeting the 40k player base with this game. I don't really think if someone really likes Imperial Assault and the more campaign-style play, uh, it and it's not into the more skirmish tabletop gaming, uh, I don't think that person's going to like this game. It just comes down to who they're targeting. For years, the 40k players have wanted a simpler uh, role set, and that is what Legion has in spades. Well, they'll get new players, and ones from Imperial Assault, sure, uh, but at the end of the day, Legion is Fantasy Flight Games' big move on Games Workshop. There was a big reason why 40K did a big update to their game last year, because they know that Fantasy Flight Games was coming at them as soon as the license with Games Workshop to do a 40K RPG game ended. I, for one, am really looking forward to Legion and finally have a true tabletop miniatures war game. David. So, yeah, I think that that's a lot of that is sort of where I was... You know, coming at this from someone who hasn't ever tried it, who's coming into it from the pedigree of I've played all these different Fantasy Flight games, Star Wars games, there were aspects of this that were a shock, but I assumed that it was probably because I wasn't the target audience, that it was more of like the Warhammer type crowd. Um, but my knowledge of what that crowd sees as normal and what to expect is extremely, extremely limited. I think Michael has a little more experience uh with that stuff. But I, it is interesting that this could be, I mean, not just a move in the market itself to sort of fill this niche that Fantasy Flight wasn't with Star Wars stuff before, but a specific target and going after the market share from Games Workshop. That I find really interesting. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Have you played uh, much in the way of like a Warhammer type stuff previously? So you have the sense of, of anything from a cost standpoint? I know I, I worked in a comic shop where we used to sell the stuff like crazy, but I don't remember details on things like price at this point. So I haven't ever actually played the games. I, I've considered it a few times. I've always played stuff, you know, that's a little closer to like X-Wing, uh, just mostly because of the, the cost and uh, the fact that stuff was more uh, readily available out of the box as opposed to having to paint it in anything. Um, so, yeah, my, my thing was always, um, hey, this looks really cool. I wouldn't mind getting into it, but you know, the, the cost is so high and, you know, the time investment was just more than I was ever able to do. So, uh, but I do know that, um, like what he's saying here, I'm like, yeah, that actually sounds about right. So I, I guess, uh, because like one thing I, I can tell you is that, um, the, the shop that I, which I haven't played there in maybe about a year now, but, uh, I, I need to get back down there. The, where I play X-Wing for the most part, would also have a lot of people playing Warhammer on the same nights. Um, so I was able to see a lot of this stuff peripherally and, and kind of, you know, know a bit about it. But as far as ever making a, a, a personal journey into that, no. Uh, 
but with that said, like I said, I, I've I've seen a lot of people that I know that play stuff like X Wing and Imperial Assault and and all that that have been really excited about it, and it's getting me really excited about it and wanting to jump in. Um, I'm just like, Oh, I've got to, I got to hold off just a little bit because <laughs> it's, it's tax season and everyone's like, Oh, tax returns. And I'm like, that's, that's the time of year when you return more money to the government. Right. Cause that's how it works at my house apparently. So yeah, yeah, definitely <laughs> for us as well. Um, yeah. So I did check. Yeah. ATST is 50. So if that, kind of price difference is something we would see then yeah it does seem like fantasy flight is trying to sort of undercut the competition um reminds me of sort of what's what some of the stores like walmart have been able to do where it's just sort of a yeah we'll take a little bit of a loss compared to what we could make on these but if we in doing so we price ourselves in a way to be able to get people to come buy stuff from us instead of from someone else it winds up benefiting us uh in the long run anyway um uh but yeah i this was just never a thing for me. I just I'd seen people playing it before, but when it came to the idea of oh, you're painting all your miniatures, uh, I, I will argue that I, when it comes to handcrafting type of of, uh, of of hobbies, I am much more fartsy than artsy. Put it that way. <laughs> uh, when it comes to the artsy fartsiness of it, so yeah. And I would actually point out this is something that just it's kind of a side note on this. If you are going to be playing Legion, something else that I was kind of surprised by because of the size of some of these pieces. Like, I usually would pick up the exact same Plano tackle box for all of my games. And they worked really well. I mean, I've got these tackle boxes. I've got a couple um, for, I guess it was Imperial Assault. I've got three of them now, one for each faction when it comes uh, to X-Wing. They're nice. Uh, and the ones that I usually get have, like, an opening top, a couple of flaps on the top. They've got uh, little drawers with all kinds of different tackle box pieces inside. It's like three of them and then two on the sides. Great, great stuff. But... If you, like me, tend to use tackle boxes to hold a lot of this stuff, you're going to find it a little more difficult to do with Legion because of the size of, like, the airspeeder, um, the size of the ATRT and such. You're going to have quite a few things probably still sitting out like me. I've got them adorning my bookshelves at this point because a lot of the pieces are just too large to fit inside a tackle box yeah. at this point. Like, it was tough to put the Imperial Assault ATST in a tackle box unless you get one that has a nice large area on the top part of it or something but it's really difficult with with legion legion you're probably going to want some specialized cases made specifically for legion or at least foam inserts made right. especially yeah, you're for definitely want to going to want to invest yeah. in and i'm now granted i don't know but I, i'm hoping that uh fantasy flight um if if they haven't already that soon they'll invest in making those cases because otherwise they're just giving more money to games workshop well they just did for um they just uh, announced cases for the dice for destiny right little dice folders and that's and that's the one thing that i gotta say about them is you know i love that they're putting out all these new types of games and stuff and everything but they really need to get ahead of um of of things on that if you're going to put out a game you need to put out um, the other stuff and, and not for me, you know, because the, the stuff is out there, but for you as a company, like you need to give me the ability to give you my money instead of giving someone else right. my money because you don't have that available yet. Right. So, it's all about the, 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 the hidden cost, the other stuff. I actually, that was something else I wanted to mention before we get to the other email. Um, I finally had to eat crow on the Nintendo switch thing. <laughs> uh, you may recall that in, in, our episodes talking about the Nintendo Switch, I was like, I don't, I don't care. I don't see the point. 
Well, my wife and I just had our 10th anniversary of dating. Our our fifth wedding anniversary is actually coming up in June. And being sort of geeks and very practical, like, we went out to dinner, but we were also like, we're going to get something. We're going to get something for each other that we could actually use and maybe the kid could use someday. Let's buy a Nintendo Switch. So we got a Switch, and it, to some degree, uh, it does fit back with the stuff that I said before about how um, I didn't see as much of a need because our Nintendo Switch, when we bought it, um, we bought it with a memory card, which is extra cost, but bought it with um, Ultra Street Fighter 2, which she really wanted. Not that I haven't already bought Street Fighter 2 a thousand times on Oh, yeah. yeah um, <laughs> and, uh, and I picked up Skyrim because I wanted to play it on something other than VR, and I wanted to be able to play Skyrim again outside of VR and make different choices to see how things played out. So now I'm playing Skyrim on two different freaking platforms. <laughs> Welcome um, to my life, At buddy. the same time. And we picked up uh, Mario Kart 8, which granted neither of us had played, but I've got a Wii U in the other room, which is actually where we have Zelda Breath of the Wild. Right. Um, so we didn't get it for Switch. We could have gotten Mario Kart for the Wii U if we wanted, and it would have been that game minus a couple of little added features that they did. Um, really, it was only when we decided to pick up Super Mario Odyssey that we actually had something that could only be played at this point uh, on the Switch. Although I am, while the battery life concerns me, the cost of other peripherals like getting another pair of Joy-Cons kind of sucks. Right. In that case, I mean, it costs more to get another pair of Joy-Cons than to buy a game. Usually, at least, it's about commensurate. Um, but I do, I, I do find that you're, you were right at the time. I was arguing sort of for this idea that it would be that it was almost like a fifty-fifty thought process of needing to judge it as a home console, like when it's docked on a TV versus portable. This really does feel more like a portable device right. than it yep. does as any kind of actual console. And even when I'm just moving around our house with the thing. It's fantastic to be able to have that quality of game that you can take somewhere and not constantly be worrying about the amount of feet you are away to some base unit mm -hmm. before you lose signal like with the Wii U. So I still wouldn't – I would still in no way recommend to someone get a Nintendo Switch over getting an Xbox One or a PlayStation oh, 4. Oh, no, no. It's, it's a different no animal. Yeah, yeah you, um, they're not comparable I, I'm not at even, all. I'm not even sure that I would say get a Switch over getting a Vita in terms of the game library that exists. Um but if you're looking for a portable device that's that's a solid um, fun game experience, then yeah, I think the Switch would be would be worthwhile. I just I'm I'm waiting for more content, game content to right. be released and whatnot to really uh, to be able to justify it. But uh, it's you know it's cool. In the meantime, I'm playing with those teeny teeny sideways Switch controllers whenever. Uh, my wife is spamming fireballs at me and stuff. <laughs> so, so it's a, uh, it's all good. Um, but yeah, I I found that funny. I was like, as soon as we got it, I was like, man, all the crap that I gave Michael. <laughs> here we go. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, and that's the thing is, I think you're probably not as, um, uh, I don't want to say familiar, but I mean, like, I guess you, like, I've just I've done a lot more portable gaming, and so, you know. I mean, and I've been a portable I, I, Game Boy, Game Boy Advanced. Uh, mm -hmm. Sorry, Game Boy, Game Boy Color, um, and then I guess I and Game Boy Pocket. Then I jumped over Game Boy Advance and had a D and and DS and had a DSi and then a 3DS. And I love the 3D effect, but I've got like one game still that I still own for the 3DS, and it's Street right. Fighter Four. It's another freaking Street Fighter game that I own multiple places. Um, and I had the the PSP Go. Should have got a regular PSP, but had a PSP Go and. Uh, a Vita and 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 the Game Boy and the Vita I played the heck out of, especially 
Um, but yeah, I guess for me, I was looking at this as a successor to the Wii U as a console, sort of in the way that the Wii U was this weird, somewhat underpowered console in the era of you know, PS4, Xbox One, uh, or, or you know, it's kind of a lagging from the, from the generation of uh, PS3, Xbox 360, and that now it was kind of in that same weird space. But it definitely is much, it's much less a console that can be portable at, than it is a portable system that can become a console. I think that's a distinction that at the time mm-hmm. I just was not seeing. Right, right. And uh, like I said, it's I mean it, it comes down to your use and for me I love it because like I said I can, I can be in the same room as my wife and play a game and you know not have to worry about me playing a game on the TV and her being like I have no interest in this so I'm going to go in there and watch Netflix, you know. Um so it, it it certainly has its advantages. And sometimes I like to lay in bed but also play video games and that's awesome. Yep, and I'll say that also, it, depending on how you have your camera set up, that is the ability to have somebody watching something in the room and you're playing a game is also something that comes with PlayStation VR because you can play any PlayStation game in the cinematic mode with the headset on and just kind of be off to the side. And any VR game does, you know, they don't require the TV to be on unless you're playing something like Playroom VR and it's one of the asynchronous games where somebody's watching the social screen and they're playing with a controller and you're in VR doing something else. Um or, or like keep talking or nobody explodes or whatever that game is called. For the most part, the TV doesn't have to be on for you to be doing VR. There's no connection. You just have to have a camera pointed at you that most people put in front of or on top of the TV. But as long as it can see you, somebody else could be watching something um, in the room as well. The convenience factor is uh, is pretty solid, right. I would say, on, on both of them. But certainly the ability to carry a console with me. Like I almost took the Switch when I went to – when I knew I was going to arrive early for a meeting at work yesterday. <laughs> but I was like, no, I think that might be taking a step too far. Instead, I'll sit there reading a Star Wars book. Yeah, of course. <laughs> there you go. All right, so our second email comes in from Chris Locke. Again, I have to thank Chris. Chris has been awesome as far as being a uh, having been a Patreon supporter, and we had sort of an ongoing conversation in our monthly exclusive Q&As, the top-tier of supporters have this access to be able to ask whatever they want. And every month there's a video where I answer everything that has been asked. Um, and in his case, it was kind of an ongoing conversation because he'd ask something I'd answer and then he'd respond to that and ask something else with it. And it kind of went back and forth, which is kind of cool. Uh, but it looks like he's made the cloud city casino jump as well. Nice. Uh, so he says, Hey guys, Recently discovered the podcast due to Nathan's recommendation from his Patreon-exclusive Q&As, so I figured it'd be only fair to share one of my standard text walls that Nathan is used to reading on here. So, I was listening to the last episode of Cloud City Casino, and I was hearing what Nathan had to say about Legion, and I wanted to chime in. Now, let me be clear. Ooh, that's a... Uh, let me say that. Let me say that. <laughs> bottom way. Now, let me be clear. There we go. Uh... <laughs> I'm not trying to say that you're wrong about feeling a certain way about Fantasy Flight Games' business strategy. That's Don't okay, worry, Chris, I, I, I am. To some degree, I was, I'm, I'm sure I was wrong. Um, it is frustrating that they don't include the ideal amount of dice. The supplemental syndrome can get frustrating. I'm right there with you. Um, what he means about the dice, um, yes. When you're, It's very clear just by going through the initial quick start rules that not only will you wind up needing more dice than they're in the pack for two players to be playing – For any one player to do what they need to do most of the time, you're going to need to be re-rolling the same dice repeatedly because they don't give you enough dice. And no, the dice are not yet on the Dice app, which 
kind of sucks. Yeah. Um, but hopefully they will be soon. All right. Uh, continuing. Kind of what you both were hitting on last episode, I think the big issue here is a perspective shift with Legion as opposed to Imperial Assault. Imperial Assault, to me, which, let me be clear, I haven't touched that game, uh, has always been aimed at the kind of board gamers who go for the next tier of board games, a betrayal at House on the Hill as opposed to Trivial Pursuit. I'm a fan of wargaming, and so I've seen Legion marketed the entire time as a war game in the style of Warhammer or Warhammer 40k. Now, yes, the news I received was coming from an informed source. I can't find the exact page, but I remember seeing articles or web pages from Fantasy Flight Games that said they were unpainted plastic. And if you go to the page for the core set of Legion on Fantasy Flight Games, one of the linked articles is Getting Started Painting Star Wars Legion. In a way, this really reminds me of the transition that Fantasy Flight Games did with Star Wars Destiny, phasing out the LCG game. But the big difference is, in my opinion, that with Legion, they didn't go from one model to a strictly less user-friendly model, from LCG to CCG slash TCG. Imperial Assault is for a particular market, and Legion is for a different market. Do those markets overlap? Of course, but they are different, and look for different things. For a lot of wargaming fans, the hobby aspect of building and painting is almost as fun as the playing. That being said, the thing that got me into X-Wing was that, in a way, it's a gateway drug into tabletop gaming. And if they offered the Legion models pre-painted, I'd choose them in a heartbeat. Thanks for reading. Love the podcast. Chris Locke. Yeah, I can't disagree with anything he said. you got to interact more when it comes to the details, <laughs> man. Well, but, I, I, but he... He's right. It's basically what you're saying. You're saying, yeah, you're saying, yeah, it's, yeah, it's on point. Um, so I think, yeah, I mean, I think that the, the issue there, and that's something that I hadn't really thought about too much. And you brought up, I think when we were first talking about it was the idea that the building and the painting is part of the hobby and is part of the fun. Like I see it as game prep, you mm -hmm. know, kind of like building your map for Imperial Assault. So to me, it's, Yay, Legion just arrived, and it's all these different stuff. I want to take it out and learn how to play and try out a match, but I can't because I've got to build all the damn minis right, right down to putting them and gluing them onto their stands. I can't play at all until I get this stuff done, and it's going to take me all <laughs> flippant day, let right. alone if I painted it when it's going to take me an even longer time. There's a gigantic pre-play setup time. But to me, that's all the work before the fun. Right, but for someone who's right. into this stuff and really likes the hobby and craft aspect of it, I could see that being really exciting. Whereas I could see how Imperial Assault would be very frustrating because it they tend to bend a little bit more. Um, and by virtue of not being things that you assemble, a lot of little nooks and crannies, I would imagine, for some of the characters are really hard to paint with, with any accuracy. So I'd imagine that for someone who wants to paint a game, uh, Legion is is definitely going to be the one the one to get. It just kind of makes me wonder why we don't have some equivalent when it comes to space games like X Wing or Armada, where there's not a an unpainted version of that out there somewhere. It tends to be only these infantry based, ground based, character based ones, in which we're getting these unpainted minis rather than X Wing. I mean, is it just the complexity of a character versus a ship i mean there are some pretty complex ships out there just I don't know, it's just an interesting thing to see the the model the the business model difference when it comes to the plastic models but yeah this it definitely was not aimed at me 
And uh, and I will probably never paint mine, especially now that they've been assembled. But I do look forward to playing. So maybe I'm sort of the weird area. Maybe this will be my gateway drug, just as, in essence, Imperial Assault got me into to doing any kind of ground-based instead of ship-based stuff, which may be interested in Legion. Maybe Legion will be the gateway to me someday playing something a little more like Warhammer that's outside of the Star Wars genre. I doubt it, because I can't imagine having the time. Uh, but maybe... <laughs> possibly and maybe the kid won't you know eat the minis yeah i mean come on you'll have plenty of time how hard is it to raise a kid well i know i i'll tell you what i will have plenty of time to play as much legion or warhammer as i want in approximately 18 to 19 years so we'll talk about it then (laughs) i'm sure and that is assuming of course that the child is out of the house for college or even decides to do college um, and so on and so on. So, so yeah, well, thank you, Chris. Uh, thank you, David, uh, for the perspectives there. Yeah, I know that I definitely am not the target audience for this. I mean, but there's a part of me that really would like to be, you know, it's kind of like this. It seems like it's so much fun. I wish that I was quite over in that area. Just I, my mindset hasn't really been that way, but Maybe with the timeline ending, and maybe someday there will be more time to delve a little bit further into that. Maybe maybe I'll find that uh, our kid loves the idea of painting minis, and we wind up painting minis for a game that we play together or something. Wait, are Though, you saying you know, use, no. use your child as child labor to as child paint your labor so that you can play these games? No, no, I pay a fair wage in like je- jelly beans or something. Um, All right, well, but, well, but I'm just thinking. In my luck would be that it'll turn out that uh, that. He'll be like, I don't care about these minis. I don't care about those X-Wing ships and stuff like that. You know what I want to play? Destiny. Blind booster packs, baby. <laughs> and then uh, we may have to start looking for orphanages. <laughs> right. I'm kidding, mostly. Oh, man. So we have actually hit everything that at least I can remember that's come out so far. But sweet. I mean, we do have um, fully operational just came out for Age of Rebellion. I haven't had a chance to look at it yet, but it did just get into my hands. Um, but yeah, the bulk of the stuff, it looks like we've uh, we have hit, which is good for once. We're not behind and we didn't record that. See, we faked out Fantasy Flight. Did you notice mm-hmm. we were talking about recording a few days ago? And in the last few days since we would have recorded, three or four new news bites went up on their website, and then we got to record about it. All we got to do is plan and have the plans fall through, and we won't get caught unawares by Fantasy Flight now. <laughs> so that that must be it. We, we've, we're on to their game. It uh, must be bugging phones or something like that, or they're getting it from the NSA or, uh, or, or I, don't know, Facebook. I don't know. They're, Somebody uh, needs to ask Zuckerberg about that. <laughs> right. Um, so the other thing is just wanted to say thank you to, uh, both, uh, Chris and, uh, David who, who emailed in, we really do appreciate getting the emails, uh, cause it, you know, for one, it keeps us on our game. So we're like, Oh, there's this thing. And then we read it go, Oh, that's why we're idiots. And, um, you know, so we appreciate that. And if you want to send us an email, you can just send it to, send it to uh, cloudcitycasino at gmail.com. Uh, you can also just reach out to us at uh, Cloud City Casino on Facebook or Twitter. Um, and, of course, you know, find us on uh, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play Store, all of that good stuff. We're, we're pretty much anywhere you can get a podcast. If we're not, let us know, and we'll take care of that. But make sure to... Uh, 
jump on there and, and hit subscribe so that you get the newest episodes when they come out. And then also, um, you know, leave us some feedback. We haven't gotten feedback in quite a while. Um, or I guess review, not feedback. But, uh, you know, you go on uh, specifically iTunes. Uh, go on there and it's much, much easier now to do. So just leave us a, a review. Um, just so long as you make it five stars. That's the only only requirement. Yeah, can't can't do anything under five stars. Maybe that's why we haven't gotten many reviews because <laughs> you keep telling them. Right. You know, no, I, oh, uh, I was going to give I'm them just four thinking, stars. I'm yeah. spitballing here. <laughs> no, but um, of course, you can find me over on um, Instagram and Twitter as Morris Isley. And Nate is at a plethora of places. That's right. You can hear me with Mark Herleman on Star Wars Beyond the Films, which is on StarWarsReport.com, just like Cloud City Casino is. My Star Wars Timeline Gold, which again will have its last edition this year, uh, around July or August, is over at StarWarsFanWorks.com slash Timeline. Uh, my Patreon, if you're looking for some exclusive content and to support some of the things that I do, that is Patreon.com slash Nathan P. Butler. Uh, my YouTube channel, YouTube.com slash Chrono Radio, or just search Nathan Butler, search, you know, any of my videos, like from the Star Wars Home Video Library and whatnot, you'll be able to find a ton of content over there. A lot of uh, recent videos I've put up on the Marvel Legendary deck building game, for those who are interested in that kind of game, uh, as I am. Uh, my book, A Saga on Home Video, A Fan's Guide to U.S. Star Wars Home Video Releases, can be found on Amazon and elsewhere now. And I, too, now have been talked into having an Instagram. What? Which is an uh, Instagram Username, A Saga on Home Video. Now, there isn't a single picture on it yet, but that comes next, you see, <laughs> as I start using my photo box. Yeah. Um, uh, so, yes, all over all over the place. Um, but, of course, be sure to keep up with Cloud City Casino because if you're into the, uh, the Star Wars gaming stuff, aside from the YouTube channel, uh, this is the one place where that is really popping up quite a bit. Um, it just is not popping up as much uh, there's just not a lot of gaming stuff to put on to the Star Wars Timeline Gold anymore. They're not doing a lot of story outside of, of Battlefront 2. There's not a lot of story in video game aside from Battlefront 2 to talk about on Beyond the Films. So if you want your gaming coverage, make sure you hit that subscribe like he was saying. See, I've now done my part. Yay! And leave us a review that's like six stars. Yeah, all the stars. And never forget... Let the Wookiee win. And I just harvest that shit up, harvest that shit up. I just harvest that shit up, harvest that shit up. I just. I met a man in a bar and his talking dog. The dog don't talk, it goes. And I don't know who did you first, know who did you first. I don't know who did you first, know who did you first. I just. Hair like Cinnabon. Hungry, 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 hungry,
found out that Vader was my dad That was bad And not good And straight whack When I found out Vader was my dad He took my hand Once he gets rid of the mane of hair, I'm kind of afraid for the drain in whatever bathroom he cut it in. Actually, it's okay. I actually uh, put it in ponytails and cut it so that I could donate it. Very nice, very nice. My wife did that as well when she uh, when she was losing hair from the cancer that she battled years ago. She donated all of that as well. So somewhere out there, a hairless Wookie will be able to have a nice new coat of Michael hair. That's right. Or Boba Fett will have like a, a band of Michael hair <laughs> oh, no. on his armor. <laughs> oh no, I thought I was sending it to a good cause. <laughs> this party's over.